Good morning. Please take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 1. Yes, this is a Christmas message today. Matthew chapter 1. As you're turning there, there's a couple of things I'd like to say. First of all, thank you for your hospitality. I know that uh, we gave the guys a bunch of pizza last night, and we just want to say thank you. Uh, that makes a difference. And so I know that visitors sometimes can be an inconvenience, but uh, you do a good job, and I want to commend you for that. Ladies, don't worry. It's coming to you later on. As the time as you think not, uh, it will come to you as well. But uh, keep up the good work. And uh, let me just say this. As you go home, if there are young people that you see would fit Maranatha, would you encourage them to consider coming to Maranatha? And uh, if I can be a help with that, fire me an email with their contact information. I would love to reach out to them, and uh, we'd love to see the right people here at Maranatha. Well, this is a Christmas message. This is the first time that I've gotten to preach in chapel close to Christmas. So I jumped on this, and uh, the reason is because this message has a, a deep place in my heart. It was 11 years ago this week that God challenged me to take the biggest step of faith that I've ever taken. And it may not seem like a big deal to some people, but I want to just kind of take you through my testimony this morning with how the Lord challenged me to get out of my comfort zone and step out on faith. Dr. Davis called me, and, uh, and when he did, I, you know, we, he was in my youth group, so I, it was not a big deal, but he said, Peter, I want you to... Co- consider coming to be our communications director here at Maranatha. And he described the, the job to me, and it sounded really exciting and interesting, but I, I didn't really think that was for me. And so I thought, well, that's, that's nice, but I'm happy here. The Lord has called me here to Danville, Illinois, where we love the people. Uh, we, uh, some of the kids that were in my youth group now had kids that were coming into my youth group. This was, this was awesome. And we loved the people there. Our gerbils were buried in the backyard. I mean, I didn't want to leave. It was a wonderful place. And so I said, well, thank you, Dr. Davis, but uh, uh, really no thanks. And a couple days later, I was talking to one of my heroes, his dad, uh, John Davis, and he mentioned the same thing. And I said, well, thank you. That's, that's really nice, but I don't think so. About a few days later, my big brother called me, and he said, Pete, you need to consider and pray about this position. Well, okay, I was a youth pastor, a musician, and uh, the communications director job didn't seem like quite a fit to me. And so I said, okay, I'll pray about it. And as I did, God began to work in my heart and very definitely changed my heart. Now, things were good. Don't get me wrong. Things were great where we were, but... God began to work on my heart. But do you make a a huge change like that just because you feel different? I mean, is that what faith is, just a a feeling? God used these thoughts, and actually some of these thoughts are from a friend of mine, Brent Burkhart, who challenged me with these thoughts about faith. And I want you to apply this to your life this morning. And as you look at what your future holds, or even going home, as Dr. Marriott mentioned on Christmas break, you might think, oh, God, you know, God saves people, but not my family. You don't know my family. Do you need to have real faith that God will save them? Do you need to step out of your comfort zone and possibly do 
some things that exhibit your faith differently. What is faith? How do you know what that is? This is not an exhaustive message, but I want us to look at three characteristics of real faith this morning from this passage. And as we do, I trust that God will challenge you to take steps of faith. Why is that important? Because without faith, we cannot please God. And that is the purpose for our existence. So take a look at Matthew chapter 1. Before we get into this Christmas passage, let me just say, I was told I had to say what day this is, Dr. Foster, okay? So this is St. Nicholas Day, okay? But it's also something else very big. It is National Microwave Oven Day. And uh, that's big because I remember my first experience with a microwave oven around Christmas time, and it was awesome. So uh, I think it's great. Not a 15 minutes for a pizza, 15 seconds to warm up a pizza. That was great, all right? All right, Matthew chapter 1, let's take a look. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the Christmas story. Thank you for Jesus Christ coming to earth. Lord, thank you for the faith that you enable us to exhibit in Jesus Christ, the only way of salvation. But Lord, I pray you'd also help us to live by faith. I pray that these thoughts would be guided by you and would be challenging to our hearts today. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Christmas is a wonderful time of year. It is Norman Rockwell. It is coffee and tea around girl talk. I mean, there's decorations. There's all kinds of good stuff. But Christmas is also a painful time of year, isn't it? For some people, especially those who have lost loved ones, Christmas can be tough. I remember the first Christmas without my mom. I, I shed a lot of tears during that time. And you know, the first Christmas was also a time of pain. It was a time of doubt and betrayal and confusion. Because Joseph, who was espoused, is like engaged, but even stronger so, he was espoused to Mary. He finds out that she is with child. And his hopes and dreams for the future are dashed. But in the midst of the pain and the confusion and the questions, in the midst of all that, God reassures Joseph. And God is offering to do the same 
for us as we walk by faith. I want us to see some characteristics of real faith this morning. Number one, faith sees beyond appearances. Faith sees beyond appearances. In verse 18, the angel says, Joseph, things are not as they appear. Now remember, he was thinking that she had betrayed him. There is no other explanation, right? And yet, in spite of the betrayal, Joseph wanted to do the right thing. He did want to put her away privately. He did not want to embarrass her. He made that decision before the angel came to him. So when the angel did come to him, what does the angel say? Basically, the angel says, things are not as they seem. You need to trust me. Now, this flies in the face of reality. Because reality is that she is pregnant. And there is no other explanation. Or is there? Faith sees beyond appearances. Faith is the essence of seeing beyond appearances. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And God alleviates Joseph's fears and says to him, trust me, this is not what it appears to be. Now, what do you think when somebody says, just trust me? <laughs> I mean, politicians, just trust me. Lose car salesmen, just trust me. The antenna goes up, right? What? Why? Because trust equals risk. And so we risk when we trust. And here, God invites Joseph to a closer relationship, but it will cost him some risk. He, instead of putting her away privately, if he takes her to himself, there will be embarrassment. There will be people talking behind his back and there will be a stigma over his life. And Joseph could have said, no, I, I don't want that. He could have played it safe. But think about what Joseph would have missed out on if he would have played it safe. If he'd have said, no, we're going to put you away and I'm not going to marry you. He would have missed out on teaching God to lace his sandals. He, you know, parents love to talk about their kids. You know, oh, my kids are awesome. His kid was awesome. <laughs> Can you imagine the, the meetings with parents? I mean, we won't go into that. But he would have missed out on all of that, on a closer relationship to God, Jesus, the Son of God, living in his house. You know what? When we don't take the step of faith that God wants us to, we miss out on huge things. As I look back on the decision to leave Danville 11 years ago, and I think, wow, that was so hard, and we'll talk about that a little bit. It was uncomfortable. I, I thought that, you know, okay, everything's going to be great. I came up, I don't know how you think the interview went, but I thought it was really bad. I just blew it, and, you know, and I thought, this is not for me. And yet God continually changed my heart. And then when I, when I announced to the church that I would be leaving after 21 years there, I thought, oh, like angels will sing, oh, and it'll be really awesome. It was horrible. It was ah, saying goodbye, tears, crying, saying goodbye to these people. And yet, if I had not done that, I would have missed out on so much. 
And as I look at my life, I see how God has used not just that step, but other steps of faith to draw me closer to himself. So when God says, trust me, even when it doesn't look like that's the right thing, appearances show differently. When he says, trust me, he is inviting us to a deeper, more satisfying relationship with him than if we just play it safe. You know, I remember back in 2007 that uh, we were considering going into a building program. A friend of mine, Bob, at his church, uh, they were going into a building program and they decided they were going to take out a several hundred thousand dollar loan. And then the recession hit of 2008. You, remember, you don't remember that, but some of the older folks remember that. And uh, it was a crazy time to borrow money. And yet Bob met with his deacons and they decided they were going to go ahead and build that extra building, and they were going to do this on faith. And I, I, I went and talked to Bob. I said, Bob, did you look at what interest rates are doing? Is it really a good time to, to borrow money? That was a rhetorical question. It is not a good time to borrow money. And he said, Pete, we believe that God is leading us. And I know it doesn't look like it makes sense, but we believe that this is a step of faith we need to take. Three years later... That building was not only built, but paid for, all taken care of. And I, when I see that building at Bob's church, I remember the step of faith. And I say, you know what? God does amazing things. That's the nuts and bolts of faith. Say, faith sees beyond appearances. And so when you look at next summer and you say, oh man, there's no way I could, I could take a missions trip. I don't have that kind of money. I challenge you to look beyond the appearances and ask God, at least, God, do you want me to pray about this? Do you want me to consider this? Maybe it's a, a ministry that you would have next summer. Or maybe you're a senior and you say, oh man, I, I'm not sure about this, this step that God seems to be leading me in. Faith sees beyond appearances. So does that mean that God expects blind leaps of faith? That we just check our brain at the door and we just go with our feelings? No. That brings us to the second point, and that is this. Faith is grounded in God's word. Faith is grounded in God's word. Look at verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. So Joseph was a Jewish boy. They learned the scriptures and the prophecies. They knew this like the back of their hand. Joseph knew that in Isaiah 7, Isaiah said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. We can all say that, but think about it. A virgin shall conceive. And as Joseph hears this from the angel, he's not just having a feeling of, well, okay, I should go ahead and do this. He is seeing that what the angel says squares with the word of God. And I believe it is important that as we take steps of faith, that it be grounded in God's word. God didn't expect Joseph just to believe just because. And faith is not just believing something sincerely. There's a lot of people in this world that believe things a whole lot, but they're wrong. Faith is believing God's word. It's grounded in his word. Think about it in the faith chapter. By faith, Abel. Do you know what the verb after that is? It's an action verb. Abel offered. 
Noah built. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. It is grounded in God's word. There is reason for the authenticity here. And Joseph knew the prophecies. Why is this important? Because there's a lot of people out there that claim to be speaking for God. You need to check it with God's word. You need to take your feelings and whatever, or maybe even how you believe God is leading you, and make sure it squares with the word of God. All we have to do to see if it is verified in God is look at his word. Now, in the Old Testament, when prophets were sent from God, God never expected people just to accept what they said. God gave tests of the authenticity. And he gave several of them to validate the authenticity of the messenger. And so there were a lot of tests, but a primary one was this. Does it square with the rest of the prophecies, the rest of scripture? Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5, talks about this. And it says, if somebody comes to you, and even if they do miracles, but they say something against the scriptures, you know what you're supposed to do? Stone them. Don't listen to them. Reject what they say. Why? Because the ultimate judge is God's word. That is important. Every so-called message of God must be evaluated by the standard of God's word. Every experience should be evaluated by the standard of God's word. And even Paul said this. Galatians 1.8. Listen, if someone comes to you or even... If I come to you and tell you something that is a different from the gospel, don't listen to us. Listen to the gospel. Listen to God's word. God pointed Joseph back to his word. Even in this topsy-turvy world, we have a standard. We have an absolute of God's word. When we lose our bearing, God's word is consistent. I don't know if any of you have ever been to a fun house, at like a carnival or something like that. I, I went to a fun house one time. I want to tell you about it. Maybe you'll get to experience it one day. They have all those mirrors, you know, that do stuff. But in this fun house, you start walking through this house, and it's kind of weird because it's not really true. And you're walking through, and as you walk further into this fun house, you get to places where weird stuff starts happening. You, you, start, you see a chair on a wall, and you can go over and sit in the chair. And you're sitting on the wall. And you're going, wow, this is strange. And then somebody takes a, a pitcher and a cup of water. And they pour the pitcher out. And the water goes like this into the cup. And you're going, how do they do that? And then you walk into the next room and there's a pool table. And you, you, you roll the, the perfectly flat appearing pool table. You roll the ball and it goes, and goes somewhere else. And you're going, man, what is going on here? And you get to the very end, and you look out a window at the horizon, and it's like this. And you're going, how did they do that? And then after a minute, your body comes back, and you, it's back on the horizon. You're going, what happened? Here's what happens. As you're walking through the fun house, they actually start tilting the hallways. And as you get further and further and further, your body doesn't detect it. Gravity stays the same, but your body says everything is still level. And so when you get to that, actually you're standing like this, or like this, and when you're pouring the cup, that's why the water's going like that, and that's why the pool ball does that. And it's not till the end, when you see the horizon, the standard, 
that everything can, comes back into focus what's right. Now, here's the analogy. God's word is the horizon. And as we walk through life, we lose our bearing sometimes. How do we know what's right? The horizon. The standard is God's word. And may I challenge us not to be flippant with the word of God. Because that is the standard by which we should measure our faith. Our faith must be rooted and grounded in the word of God. As I look back on our decision to leave Danville, I saw that. I was being challenged with this very thought. And so when I thought, okay, God, you seem to be changing my heart, but you're going to have to show me through your word. And you would be amazed how God, through his word, directed our steps. And I was able, along with my wife, we were able to see how God was leading us, not just with our hearts changing, but with God's word's direction. And we had total assurance of that step, even though it was a, seemed like a crazy step. So faith sees beyond appearances. Faith is grounded in the word of God. But number three, faith requires a response. Joseph didn't just say, oh, okay, and sit there. Look at verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. He did what God prompted him to do through faith. He did it. And that's what the faith chapter does. Abraham obeyed. Noah built. God didn't just tell Noah it's going to rain. And Noah went, oh, okay, cool. And sit there. He went out and cut down a tree. And he started building an ark. And our faith is shown by action. It's not okay just to sit there. Not just mental assent. Faith is not simply believing something. It is trusting someone. And we must understand that if we do not obey where God leads us through faith and his word, then we are sinning. You say, why do you say that? Because James says this. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is, it's wrong. And as I looked at this in our lives, and I, God changed our hearts, showed us through his word, but I'm thinking, how, how can we do this? I don't want to. There were several times during those weeks before we came that I thought, you know what, this is too much. I'm just going to say, cancel everything, just stay here. But I knew that God would not bless my life because I would be sinning against God. Because faith demands a response. Let me ask you in your life, is God leading you? The Holy Spirit, circumstances, and God through his word has confirmed it, but you're hesitant, you're just saying, I, don't, I can't do this. No, I just, I'm not that type of person. Whatever, I don't have that kind of money. If you don't step out in faith, you will not have the blessing of God. And you most likely face the chastisement of God if you are his child. And so it is important that we don't just look at faith as an option. It is a requirement to act upon God's word. 
Let me encourage you to trust God by faith. What is faith? It is seeing beyond appearances. It is grounded in the word of God and it requires a response. In closing, I want to remind you about an animal. The African impala is a gazelle-like, deer-like animal. And this animal is amazing. It actually can jump 30 feet in one bound, 10 feet high. The thing can just skyrocket. But you can go to a zoo and find these animals at the zoo, and the only thing keeping them from jumping out is a three-foot fence. Why would, the, why would the impala not jump out of their cage? And here's why. The impala will not jump anywhere where it cannot see its landing area. And so, even though it has the ability, it stays locked up in captivity all of its life just because that three-foot fence blocks where they could land. Now, where are you today? Is God challenging you to take a step of faith and you're saying, I can't do that? You know what? You may not be able to see it. But if it's grounded in God's word, you must obey God. And as you do, as Joseph did, you will find a closer relationship to the God of the universe. Trust God. See beyond appearances. Grounded in God's word. And it requires a response. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for challenging us. Life is not always easy. Sometimes you move us into difficult patches. But Lord, may we trust you. And that word trust, Lord, I pray you'd help us not just to go with what appears to be the best, but to follow you in the leading of your Holy Spirit and the leading of your word and give us the wisdom and the ability to obey. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.